Welcome to today's edition of Beat to the Fire, where we're always challenging the status quo. For more cutting-edge commentary, go to feettothefire.org. That is feet, the number two, thefire.org. And now your host. Let's go. Good morning and welcome to Feet to the Fire. This is your host, Sergio Fassa. It is Tuesday and we continue with our discussion uh, that we've been having on the conservative mind. And a reminder from yesterday, yesterday we talked about, and I made a strong case for why we cannot, we cannot give in even in our grammar and the pronouns that we use. Uh, the conservative mind is this, and, and the reason I brought this grammar point up, one of the reasons was not only to show the nefarious uh, 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 sneaky work of the left in trying to corrupt our culture and worldview. But I wanted to sh- make the point that co- the conservative mind is dogmatic. The conservative mind does not ever compromise even an inch, even a millimeter you don't give to the left. And you, you constantly hear that. Um, you know, don't be so dogmatic. You can you can meet in the middle. BLM has a point, right? I mean, black lives do matter, right? And I'm not going to take the their their pretense, their um, their facade, their surface claims, and accept them at all. You know, you know, climate does change. I I I hear that. I heard that. You know, and and now that I'm thinking back, right now, as um, I I had forgotten this, but I, I mentioned last week the conversation I had with that friend, and I'm like. I don't think you really have a conservative mind, even though you're conservative. I believe that's one of the things this individual said when climate change came up. Um, You know, climate does change. This is the type of thing I'm not going to give one inch of compromise or agreement. And let me say it this way. I will not give one credence to their side. So when it comes to the pronouns thing, uh, where we are with pronouns now with transgenderism proves my point. You know, when you go into grammar, you look at the academy, it was always he, the masculine pronoun, then it became he, she, but they're never content with that. They're never, so I just read you a text yesterday from a conservative, uh, uh, a conservative academic source, a conservative Christian seminary, and it's now she or he, but they're never content with that. Whenever they get you to meet in the middle, they demand more that you, they, they, they're more militant and they demand that you, that you compromise more and, and come over more to their side and agree and, um, surrender more to their worldview. So now it's not just she, he, now it's, uh, they, them, or, uh, whatever I had a Z Zim. I don't even know what they use now for the transgender pronouns. My point is we gave them the feminist pronouns years ago, and we see that now, and, and, but they weren't content with that. We gave them the feminist pronouns in the name of equity and fairness, but now they want transgender pronouns. They never stop. The conservative mind says, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with this. Now, that was uh, yesterday, and also I just wanted to give you a synopsis of that point again because it was, to me, very perspicuous, very clear, a, 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 a perfect illustration of why we hold our ground. Um, and yet you'll find plenty, you'll find plenty of so-called conservatives that would argue with my point yesterday and say, come on, man, you are nitpicking over pronouns. It is fine that we have gender equality in our pronouns and say he, she, or she, he. That's fine. You're too much. You're too extreme. You're too radical. And my answer is you don't have a truly conservative ideology. Let me give you a current example. I know we're talking philosophy here, but just another example recently in the news you probably already heard from Breitbart, and this is playing right into what I'm saying. Paul Ryan, who is your quintessential 
rhino establishment Republican and a backstabber, sorry, hate to say it, a traitor to the cause, because way back in like 2010, 2012, during Obama, or maybe even earlier than that, or right around there, the Tea Party Revolution, um, him and a couple others, I think maybe even Kevin McCarthy, actually, if I'm not mistaken, they were, uh, there was a book written about these guys, I believe, maybe an article, but I think a book called Young Guns, The New Conservative Right That's Overtaking Congress, Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, I think, and it featured some others, and these guys were the new conservatives, and guess what? They were establishment phonies, and Ryan has shown himself to be that. And what was the uh, dividing line what, that exposed him? Donald Trump. So this recently from Paul Ryan, who, who uh, once Trump got the nomination and was running again in 2020, Paul Ryan retired himself out because he's just too, too uh, pure as a Republican, too high and mighty and self-righteous as a Republican to ever work with the likes of a rube and a boar and an animal like Donald Trump. So Paul Ryan leaves, and now he says he was in an interview uh, on a Wisconsin ABC, uh, I don't know, radio, television, whatever, it doesn't matter. He was asked where he would be during the 2024 convention held in Milwaukee, his own state of Wisconsin, and Paul Ryan says it depends on who the nominee is. Ryan replied, I'll be here if it's not named somebody Trump. He will not go to the Republican convention if Trump wins. You won't show up if it's someone, the host said before Ryan quickly cut in. Yeah, I'm not interested in participating. No, Ryan retorted. This is from Breitbart. So no ifs, ands, or buts. Interrupting the reporter, he's so firm on this. If Trump's there, I am not going. I am not going. And by the way, Paul Ryan is, did you know this? I didn't know this, is a member of the Fox Corporation Board of Directors. Who runs Fox News and Fox Business? So there you go. That's why Fox is never Trumper, because on the board is a quintessential poster child for the establishment on the board of directors steering that ship along with the uh, female. Um, what? What? Oh, it's evading me now. The last name, the family that owns Fox. <clears throat> I can't think of it. I can't think of it. Anyway, the famous family that, it'll come to my head when I'm talking about something else, that owns the Fox network, um, the, the, the females are involved as executives running the show. They hate Trump, and Paul Ryan hates So the whole thing is run by never-Trump haters, and here it is, not even going to show up at the Republican convention. Why, why am I bringing this up? Because this exposes the reality of a pseudo-conservatism, a fake conservatism, what my friend I said last week calls faux-servative. And the dividing line is Trump. These people hate Trump. And when I talk now, even to Republicans, conservatives, I hear the same thing. I, I heard it from my friend. And this is not the conservative mind, remember? Look, look, let's say it this way. If you're not in favor of Donald Trump for some substantive reason, okay, uh, I get it. Some people, um, you know, way back were uh, Ron Paul supporters because over and against all the other crowded Republican scene. Year, I'm talking years ago because he was so libertarian. Good. Substantive reasons. L reasons regarding law and philosophy. Um, you know, uh, uh, some people like Ted Cruz, some people are concerned with some of his establishment tendencies, substantive reasons. You've got uh, Rand Paul in Kentucky, 
a very, very conservative limited government, but his foreign policy is a little strange, so people don't like him for that. If you got substantive reasons on policy about Trump, I get it. But all I hear, guys, when I talk to so-called conservatives, or rather, using my friend's term, faux-servatives, is, you know, he's just got to stop tweeting. He's got to be quiet. The country's done with him. He's rude. No one's like him. No one likes him. And he's too divisive. He's unpresidential. Guys, this is what I'm talking about. The conservative mind does not regard those secondary uh, incidentals, does not regard that. The conservative mind says, who is the best candidate based on substance? Why? And what is the political landscape right now? Not putting your finger in the wind, but saying, who is the spokesman and the flagship for the party and for the movement? And it's Donald Trump. And it, that, that, the, the, the fact that that's the, the reality is is because Paul Ryan will not show up a rhino if, if it's Trump. He didn't say DeSantis. He didn't say Carrie Lake. He didn't say Mike Pompeo. He said, one, if Trump's there, I'm not going. Why? Because Trump is the face of the grassroots conservative movement. The conservative mind is able to see that and stand up and say, that's what I'm getting behind. All right, let me get back to my examples of the conservative mind. I got this other book I wanted to show you. Okay, I'm I'm walking you through, I'm walking you through uh, academic writing that I've been in that is giving evidence of liberal thinking, okay, and showing how the conservative mind thinks through these things. Now, let me read you from this book. Write no matter what. This is uh, subtitle: Advice for Academics. Now, the word right. Uh, it's W-R-I-T-E, not, not right like correct, right as in the verb writing. Right, W-R-I-T-E, no matter what, advice for academics. And it's a very short book, a very good book, actually, I will admit, on academic writing and how to keep academic writing going when you're in um, graduate school, PhD work, and when you're in the academy. How do you, writing, writing consistently is hard. This book is about that. And it's by Jolie Jensen. Great book. Now, um, I got a conservative mind, right? So I pulled out. I'm like, okay, Jolie Jensen, uh, professor, high up, high ranking professor um, at a university, female, automatically, yeah, pr probably liberal. All right. Statistically, you're stereotyping. Stop. Statistically, in the academy, female professor, uh, a leading, pro probably liberal. But that's okay. I, I read the book. It was great. Nothing in there. Nothing in there necessarily, but conservative mind is always paying attention, right? So then the book ends, and then there's an afterword called Writing for the Public. And I'm going to run out of time on this, so maybe I'll pick up tomorrow. The afterword is Writing for the Public. So the whole book is about how to write scholarly for the academy, journals, uh, publications, textbooks, how to write consistently academic writing. Now, but she adds this addendum, you know, Scholars also need to, she must have thought of this after and wanted to add it. We also need to write for the general public's consumption. And a lot of times in the academy, when we write in a scholarly way, it's not for the general public, but we need to. Okay, fair point. So I'm reading at the bottom of the page at the end. The world really needs scholarly journalism. Sure, okay. And in other words, accessible to the public. Especially in an internet age, the public is being bombarded with persuasive messages written by people who have no accountability to academic values like objectivity, reliability, logic, and validity. Oh, all right. I mean, I get it. Yeah, she, uh, kind of strange. She's saying, um, uh, so you, you get, I guess she's talking about, uh, I don't know, um, some sort of like propaganda type writing. I don't know where this is coming from. You know, you're thinking it through. And it definitely has this, uh, this sense of like, 
the uh, the loftiness of the academy. The academy is better. We are we are objective, reliable, logical, and valid. Um, we have academic values. Okay, so but that's fine. I'm going to keep reading. As consumers, as citizens, as voters. I'm on page 152. Why is she bringing up voting? What is... It's a book about academic writing. Is it, okay, the conservative mind, all the flags are going off. But let me keep reading. As consumers, as citizens, as voters, all of a sudden this thing took a sharp right turn to politics. We are being told self-interested stories and being offered fallacious reasoning and selective evidence, often intentionally designed to prevent understanding... We benefit not only as a society, but also as members of the scholarly community when we learn to write in ways that make sense to outsiders. Hold on a second. This is a talking point. Selective evidence, fallacious reasoning, prevent understanding, self-interested. This is what they always accuse, not just conservative news of doing, but remember, Donald Trump. This is what they say. So I'm... I'm curious. Okay, I kept reading. I keep reading. Two paragraphs later. Effective scholarly journalism can and should inform public debate. Okay, again, this had nothing to do with the theme of 150 pages of this book. And all of a sudden, in the afterward, we're talking about public debate. Topics like climate change, immigration, privacy, and technology effects need to be debated with evidence exactly what scholars gather and generate. So the scholars are the ones who have the answers on climate change, immigration, Climate change and immigration, privacy and technology. We may have been trained to present our findings to each other in specifically academic ways, but each of us can also learn how to offer reasoned arguments and validated evidence to non-academic readers. In order to do this, we need to learn how to write in a different way for a different audience. So, okay. This thing takes a hard, as I said, a hard right turn into politics, bringing up topics like climate change. Now, if you noticed, this author did not say one thing about her opinion on climate change and immigration, but it's very conspicuous that she picked those two topics and said that the scholars need to enter the discussion and speak to the public because the public's being lied to, essentially. Now the wheels have come off. I'm like, this thing is liberal, but I can't. I can't put my finger yet, so I say, what am I going to do? Let me turn, conservative mind, let me turn to the beginning and check the, uh, the copyright date on, the, uh, on the, uh, you know, the publishing page. Here we go. Let's flip to the front. University of Chicago Press. Copyright date. Oh, there it is. 2017. There you go. That says it all. What does the conservative mind say about it? what was going on in 2017? 2017 is just after Trump had swept the 2016 election. And the liberal left and the academy and the establishment was peeling apart. How could this ever happen? And it can only be explained by the fact that Trump lied, conservative media lied, uh, false information, lied to the public. This is propaganda. Remember that? Trump's Hitler, fascist, and pulled the wool over everybody's eyes and swept in on this ignorant, uninformed grassroots grassroots movement called MAGA. And these people need to be told what for by the academics. And so she slaps this afterward on her book to say, you know what? Hold the phone on scholarly writing for a second. We need to talk straight to the public about climate change and immigration because they're not getting our version of the propaganda and we know better because we are society's thinkers. So in a book that has nothing to do with culture or politics, she throws in some 
uh, kind of strange political uh, and cultural comments at the end. What my point is, the conservative mind says this is very conspicuous and figures out exactly what's going on here. And whereas many people might read this and be like, oh, it's harmless. This is poison because this woman is trying to inject her liberal philosophy from the academy. She's calling all the academics to do it into the cultural discourse because of someone like Donald Trump. This lady, I'm telling you, I don't need any more than to read the afterword of this book to know that this lady has an axe to grind with Trump and MAGA. Let justice roll down like waters, America, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Don't believe the hype out there. The conservative mind can discern all of the machinations, manipulations, and deceptive tendencies of the left. As I said, look at my right hand over here while my left hand is introducing the destructive thinking. See you tomorrow.